saying we are. A chosen generation, rise up, holy nation. God, we live for you. You have called us out of darkness into light so glorious. God, we live for you.
If you've been around any length of time at all, you know that sometimes life's just rough, right? Sometimes life is difficult. Anybody like to fail? Has anyone experienced failure? Yeah, nobody likes it, but it comes, right, in the rough and tumble world in which we live. In the rough and tumble world of politics, it happens often. Uh, that's, a, that's a difficult arena. There's one guy I heard about who uh, lost his job the same year he was defeated in a run for the legislature. And then after that, went into a new business venture, and the next year, the very next year, failed in that business venture. And then a couple years went by, and uh, the love of his life passed away. And the following year, he had a nervous breakdown. Uh, took a couple years, tried to get his stuff together, ran for, uh, ran for office, and uh, was defeated in the nomination. Uh, a couple years later, lost, renomination, and then uh, was rejected for another position before running for Senate, only to be defeated, and uh, lost nomination for vice president. And after that, anyone would have given up, but was uh, <clears throat> running for vice president again, nomination, and was defeated for that. And then uh, two, years later, two years later, in 1860, Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States. And let me ask you if you recall the names of the three presidents prior to Abraham Lincoln. You have no idea who was 14, 15, and 16, do you? You know why? Because they saw the nation's daunting challenge of slavery that had divided us, and they passed on it. They wouldn't take it on. Lincoln had the guts. Lincoln had the courage. Why? Because he'd been through so much adversity in his life, experienced failure repeatedly, and the guy kept swinging. That's how it is for us in some small measure. We want to do something great with our lives. We want our lives to count. We want them to make a difference. But we're afraid, aren't we? We're afraid of failure. We're afraid to take chances. We're afraid to step out there. Hebrews chapter 12 gives us the courage to persevere. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12 begins with the word, therefore. I didn't learn a lot in Bible school. Frankly, I slept through a lot of it. But I did remember this. When you come to a therefore in the text, back up and see what it's there for. See what I did there? Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith hall of fame. Abraham, Moses, David, Samson, all of these great faith leaders, faithful people. But look at the way chapter 11 ends. It says, verse 39, Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, 
did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. In other words, there's a piece of the puzzle missing. And that piece is you and I, our life. God is waiting to do something big with all of us. So Hebrews chapter 12 introduces this amazing image to us of the runner in the race in the stadium. And I know you've seen the Olympics on TV. And, and now here's the deal. You and I are in the Olympics. And Abraham and all the gang are up there in the stands doing the wave, right? Eating popcorn, hanging out cheering us on. Hear that image in the text. Chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. It is the image of the marathon. You might not like it. Might not want to get anywhere near a 26.2-mile race. Unlike grace, most of us only run like that when someone's chasing us. But that's the image that the writer employs to help us envision what the Christian life is all about. It's endurance. It is a marathon. It's not a sprint, right? I mean, most of us can get from here to the end of the parking lot. Beyond that, a bit of a question mark. But the Christian life is a long-distance race, one that we need to prepare for. And <clears throat> the writer begins by saying, we're not alone. The stadium is filled with women and men of the past who are cheering us on. We've got our own cheering section. All of the great biblical figures of history are there waiting and watching and cheering your name. Think about your own near and dear ancestors. This week I was thinking about some of my forebearers in the faith. My great-grandmother on my dad's side of the family tree. And her son, my grandfather. And then it skipped a generation. But these were faithful, God-honoring, devoted people who uh, invested into my life. And think about aunts and uncles that you've had, cousins, friends, spouses, lovers, partners, friends, acquaintances, people whom you've had in your life in the past have all contributed to your well-being, have all invested in you, have all been a part of your conditioning in order to run this race. And all of those people who've gone before us are filling the stands. And if you listen carefully, you can hear them shouting your name. 
Elsa. 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 Right, sister? We're cheering for you. That's what's going on. We're not alone. So why does that matter? It matters when you're down and out. Like Abraham Lincoln. And we've lost yet another election. And you're thinking, man, maybe I might just throw in the towel. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's in moments like that that you hear the ancient reverberation of your ancestors in the faith rooting for you, cheering you on, saying, look, you can do this. And when you have that come-to-Jesus moment and you decide to get up off your lazy keister and take another shot at it, because you are not done, you are not down and out, what do we do then? We get back into the race. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. The Nooner National Version says the sin that so easily entangles. Now the image here is of a runner. And if you're a runner in a race, you're not like wearing overalls, right? Or jeans or like big clumpy boots and a, a hoodie and a hat and a scarf and a backpack full of bricks, right? Runners wear like next to nothing, these little teeny shorty shorts, the, that fabric that goes with the wind, right? Yeah. And, and in the ancient times, in, in, in biblical times, they didn't wear anything at all. They ran stark naked, nothing to encumber them. Uh, that's the idea of how it is in this life. We need to... Uh, we need to lay aside every weight in the sin that clings so closely or, or tangles us up. We need to lighten our load if we're going to be able to run effectively for any distance at all. That means there's some stuff we're going to need to leave behind, right? Like the kitchen sink, stuff like that. That's too heavy. It's a burden to us. We need to stop from time to time, zip open the backpack and think about, you know, this is really heavy. And I'm not getting that much out of it right now. We need to simplify our lives. How can you do that? What are the things that are weighing you down? People. Possessions. Talked about that a couple of weeks ago. How can we simplify our lives. Think about that because we're on a mission here. We're trying to accomplish something. We're moving in a certain direction. And it's not just the stuff, you know, the accoutrements of life. It's the habits, the perspectives, the attitudes. That's, that's what the writer's getting to when he talks about the sin that clings so closely to us. What this is for us, it's a call to self-awareness, right? because the things that might mess me up along the way are probably different than the things that would mess you up along the way. We have different propensities to different types of sin. And so the, uh, the, the, the thing here is to be self-aware, to know thyself. 
right? What is it about me that's going to cause me to slow down in the race? Because at the end of the day, the greatest enemy is ourselves, right? Pogo has met the enemy, and he is us. Yeah. So what is it about us that needs to be changed? What is it about us that needs to be refined or fine-tuned or adjusted along the way? And would you know that those things in our lives change with the seasons of our lives? The things that were a problem for me as a very young man starting out are different than the things that I face now as a very old man in life. Middle age, right, Dave? I'm only half I'm only halfway there. I'm only halfway there, but our lives change. Our priorities change. Our values change. Our relationships change. The things that are important to us change, and the sins to which we are susceptible change. I had it explained to me like this one time, when you're a brand new Christian, the sins that you need to be looking out for are very obvious, right? Like God makes it easy for you in the beginning. Don't steal that candy bar that's sitting out there. No one would know, but don't steal. Stuff like that that's just so easy. But then later on, we have to think about it more. I think that's because God trusts us as we grow, and it's a part of our conditioning. And it's not so much the easy, flagrant things. We kind of know better than that, most of us along the way. But it's the things that are more sinister, the things that are more discreet, the things that other people might not be as aware of. Our sins as we grow become much more respectable and refined and even culturally acceptable, right? And so we need to grow with this and understand this and be committed to this as a part of our conditioning. It's like an ongoing maintenance thing in our lives. So get rid of the weight and the sin that clings so closely. And the author says, let us run with perseverance the race that is set out before us. That's where you see like the, Jesus gave the parable of the seeds, right? Familiar with that one? Actually, the parable of the soils. Like the seed was thrown over here, and the seed was thrown over here, and the seed was thrown in lots of different places. But each of the soils had a different consistency. And some of it was rocky, and the birds came and took the seed away, and, and some of it, you know, some of it came up real fast, but then the sun came out and it withered. But some was good soil. And in that good soil, the seed took root and it grew and it, uh, it outlived itself, and it had a great harvest. That's how it is in the Christian life. Uh, many start, and few finish. Have you ever thought about that? How many folks have you talked to out there that used to be a Christian, that used to believe in Jesus, that used to belong to the church, that used to do this or that or the other. And what happened? Something happened along the way. They got shipwrecked. It could be, and there's a lot of good excuses. Believe me, I've heard them all. There's a lot of valid reasons that people chuck their faith along the way. Uh, but some of them just didn't plan for the long haul. 
For some, it was a fad. For some, it was a trend. For some, it was a phase or a season in their life. And I believe me, I know and I understand that we grow and we evolve spiritually different directions at different times in our life. But if the seed of the gospel has truly taken root in us, then we will stay true to that foundation. Not that we'll be narrow, not that we'll be bigoted, not that we won't understand and appreciate a variety of differing perspectives in the world. Not that we might not see and take advantage of other spiritual traditions and strains along the way, but we will be true blue from start to finish because we've persevered. Because we've failed. We've fallen down in the race of life. We've skinned our knees on that great heavenly asphalt and we've got up sprayed back teen, slapped on a Band-Aid, and kept going, right? Some people walk out of the stadium. Others get up and continue going. I want you to be like them. The author of Hebrews wants us to be those who persevere, who keep on going, who refuse to throw in the towel, which means it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. You're going to want to quit so bad. And you might even take a hiatus. I'm all in favor of the spiritual hiatus. Don't let it be open-ended. Don't throw up your hands in reaction and say, I'm done with this stuff. I'm out of here but say, you know what, I need a little time. I need some perspective. It's not open-ended, it's not forever. I'm going to take a little time and collect myself with the end game of being back here, back in the race, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Now, I'm not super, super smart or athletic, but I've noticed when the runners run, you can check me on this, they're all looking in the same direction, right? They're not like, hey, there's Abraham. Hey, Moses, what's up? In the stands. They're not looking behind them to see who's in last place, right? They're looking forward. They're moving forward. That's where they want to be. Eyes on the prize. Okay, so we're looking ahead to Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, the New International Version, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus ran the race first, and he gave us an example of how to do it. We watch him. We learn from him. We read about the way that he did it. We interact with other people who show us an example of how he did it. And we run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Okay, all I want, it's been uh, this political Sunday, Winston Churchill gave a lot of speeches. A lot of people, post-presidency, invited Churchill to speak and Sometimes he'd get up and he'd do something like this. He'd get up and say, never give up, never give up, never give up. And then he'd sit down. 
That's all. That's it. That's all. Or how about this? Since we're being presidential, thinking of times when presidents were presidential, Teddy Roosevelt, toughest president, took a bullet to the chest, finished his speech. Teddy Roosevelt, in probably his most famous political speech, Citizenship in a Republic, said this, and it sounds a lot like Hebrews. He says, not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spins himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. Church, I want to invite you to persevere. It's not always going to be easy, the Christian life. It's not always going to be automatic. There might be times when you hate it, and that's okay. I think that's fair. The thing that's important is that we develop in our lives this kind of spiritual stick-to-itiveness. And sometimes we're not very good at doing that in a vacuum, doing it alone. So we look around and we see those who fill the stands. And we look around and we see our sisters and brothers, the other runners in the race, and we recognize this is not so much a solo venture as it is a relay race, right? And I might need to stop and huff and puff and throw up over here for a while while you keep on running. Let's help one another develop the gift of perseverance. Father, thank you for the race that you've called us to, the course that you've set us on, the challenge that you've set before us. God, it's, uh, it's not easy. And maybe we're even at the point of considering quitting altogether. God, give us courage where our courage has waned. Give us supernatural strength where we feel defeated and demoralized. Give us a long range perspective of this life and God above all, help us to see what you have called us to be and to achieve in this world. 
And God, we will cast out everything that stands in the way of the bride. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith.